This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 Podcast. I'm joined by Kendall Cout, Ring by Spring. I think this is episode 10, maybe 11. I lost track. I'm kind of in a daze, Kendall. Uh, spent some time driving to and from Kansas City the last few days, and uh, nothing better than getting out of that city after bringing our record to 1-6 in the last seven games in Big 12 tournament play. Pretty dismal experience for the Baylor Bears, and unfortunately the ladies didn't fare much better. Although they put up, a, you know, probably a little bit more spirited effort, um, at least uh, until the end of the game. I, th- I thought I thought the Bears played okay, except for the atrocious rebounding. You read a, uh, wrote a great article after the game, and then and then a you know a pretty emotional piece about your experience with Baylor basketball after you've had some time to decompress a little bit. Kendall, what's what's your main takeaways uh, from the uh, play in Kansas City? I think the on court one, I would say, I still pretty much stand by everything I put in the column I wrote after the game. Uh, I, they had open locker room access in Kansas City, which was nice since they put the media up in the rafters where I was sitting by Kevin Flaherty from 24-7. Multiple times during the game, we'd be like, man, I thought that shot went in or that shot didn't go in. Uh, <laughs> so it was tough to see, uh, but you then got the opportunity for open locker room access. And I think I was about the only Baylor media member that went that route instead of the press conference. And so I got to talk to LJ, Adam, Jalen, uh, Key, uh, Dale, and John, and John for quite a bit of time. And I think it hit them just like they got punked on the glass. There's no other way to spin it. I mean, 44-17, I think, was the total rebounds, more offensive rebounds for the clones that Baylor has total rebounds. Taman Lipsy has 11 total rebounds. Flo Thamba, zero. Caleb Lohner, zero. Uh, just, you know, not acceptable performance by those guys. You hope they'll hold themselves to a higher standard that I think they normally hold themselves to in future games. So that on-court stuff you feel bad about. But the off-the-court stuff and what I wrote in that article was just like, listen, I kind of think it's not that fun if we're going to live life being this miserable that uh, whether you want to say Baylor's a top 10 team or a top 15 team lost some games they shouldn't have lost this year. I just don't like being miserable about this, right? I mean, Baylor won the title two years ago. If they stay healthy last year, they could have won it. They had a real good shot to win it in 20. So the last four years is clearly the worst of the four. They've got an outside shot to win it, but I'm just going to enjoy these last games covering Keontae George. These, what I think will be last games covering Adam Flagler and try and have joy in doing it and not just be so distraught or depressed or, oh, my God, why is this awful? I mean, you've got to take the jokes about the rebounds after it happened. And I get, you know, for the people who went to Kansas City and don't live here, it's a tough scene. But all I would add to this is, you know, we knew probably not too many Baylor men could get a a victory this weekend. I got some victories this weekend myself. And so, uh, you know, I feel bad for Baylor basketball, but I'm sorry. I needed these wins myself, and I'm happy to have taken them. So that's where I am, Ashley. How are you now? You've been on, what, 16 hours of road trips to Kansas City and back and not real long? Yeah, no, um... Uh, you know, just look at the positives. I think uh, I didn't wreck, you know, and I didn't get any speeding tickets. Um, so those are huge positives. I, and, you know, I'm, I'm back safe and sound at my home. Got, uh, you know, my normal routine going, exercise, played really well and pick up basketball today. One of the best uh, performances I've had in months. So that was, that was positive. You know, I, I, I would just say that um, it's going to be good to, you know, play somebody else. I mean, it, you know, it, the, the Big 12 is a grind, and we know how, you know, the deck stacked against the Southern teams, although Texas did make the final, but they certainly didn't have to beat uh, a uh, local team to do it. Uh, they will tonight when they play Kansas. And I think Kansas, isn't Kansas like 52-12 and 12 or something ridiculous? Um, maybe 51-12 and 12 in, in Big 12 tournament play in that building or in Kansas City. So they've they've really owned that uh, tournament. Uh, no surprise, they do the same thing at Allen Fieldhouse. I'd have to go back and look at the game. I, I'm going to get this conspiratorial conspiratorial stuff out of the way. But 
I, I feel like Iowa State sets a lot of moving screens. I, I feel like they, you know, they, they, they're, they're a physical team, and shame on us for not matching their physicality and doing the same thing that they do if it's not going to be in called. But it seems like every time they set a screen, their, their screener throws his hip out at the very end. They're very sly about it. I mean, they do a good job of not getting caught, you know. Uh, but then all of a sudden, lo and behold, against Kansas last night, those those screens are getting called, <laughs> and it's like all you know. Iowa State starts racking up the movie screen calls, uh, so I you know it is very difficult to uh, beat you know the Jayhawks in that building. You know Iowa State's the one team that's had the most success doing it, but uh, uh, you know I, I just I guess I guess my overall feeling is that um, the things that have concerned me all year, the competitive fire, are starting to rear its ugly head, and and I just hope they can regroup. You know I hope they have these you know really physical practices. They certainly did that you know in twenty one when they won the championship, and they were a different team once they hit the tournament. They got stronger every weekend. Uh, all those things I think are possible, but uh, we've got to figure out you know the glass stuff. I mean we've never been a great defensive rebounding team, but the thing that's really fallen off the map lately is our offensive rebounding. I mean that's been the biggest surprise is. You know, you can almost live with the atrocious defensive rebounding if you if you do your normal uh, stuff on the offensive glass, and that's just been absent uh, recently. It has, actually, and, you know, I don't know that it's going to return. I think I'm – the most optimistic I am from Kansas City, and I think everybody should be, is what a heck of a game from Jalen Bridges. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, he's been playing great basketball, and I talked to him in the locker room and was like, hey, you all ran a lot of 1-4 pick and rolls, which means Jalen Bridges is the screener with Adam Flagler as the point guard. And I asked, why'd you do that? And he was like, well, we felt like we had a mismatch with the foreman who guarded me, so we just wanted to run it over and over and over again. And so optimistic case as well is Jalen's going to be good in Kansas City. I do think people could listen to at least me, and I think, Ashley, you've had good perspective on this. Um, at least listen to me feel too optimistic the last few days and say, hey, I don't have to be too optimistic. I think it's true that if this team loses in the second round or even the Sweet 16, they're going to feel like they didn't achieve as much as they maybe could have. Right. If you played this season over 100 times, they would achieve more than this, more than 50 of those times. And I think that's probably true. I, for whatever reason, the pieces just didn't quite gel or haven't quite gelled the way you'd like them to in certain respects. The offensive rebounding hasn't been there, as you've talked about. The defense just never turned the corner, couldn't get it going. John's health, I think, is still bothering him a little bit. I talked to him, and he said he was good to go. Um, but I think that's John being a tough guy trying to spend things. Uh, Keontae George is really tough to keep playing through what he's playing through, but I think his ankle is probably still bothering him to some degree too. So the injury stuff, the competitive maturity, I don't think has been for past Baylor teams. And what I think we've kind of missed last year, because the big question was, well, who's the most vital of this team? Clearly it was Jeremy Sohan, right? You're down <laughs> right. 25 North Carolina. Jeremy Sohan can go out there and get a flagrant foul called against North Carolina. What turns out to probably be the best Tar Heel since Michael Jordan, since the, <laughs> the Tar Heels can't make the tournament without him, but can be a big hot injury away from a championship with him. We gets Brady Manning kicked out of the game. Baylor didn't have a guy like that, right? Caleb Loner got a flagrant foul late, but he almost felt like he needed somebody to have a moment of just supreme toughness or a hard foul or something else. They just didn't do that. And so I mentioned in my long article, I was like, one of the things about Baylor is Baylor people are just too nice sometimes. Right. And that's kind of the thing with this team, right? There are a lot of nice guys. They're good basketball players, but they, I think, just needed one more guy who was just kind of a, what do you want to call it, an SOB or whatever. And they don't really have that. And I don't know if that's enough to change anything. It might just be the defense is bad. We look for a psychological explanation for bad defense to explain things. But this team just had no business getting 0-3 against Iowa State. Uh, I know they felt good going into that game. I, I know multiple players felt good going into that game. It, just, it shouldn't happen. And right. again, I'm not going to be miserable about it. 
I've really enjoyed covering this team. I like the coaching staff. I like the players, but it, it shouldn't happen. And if you want to talk results-based business for the talent and staff they have, they should not have 0-3 Iowa State this year. Yeah, a couple years ago when, when our team was not near the quality it was, West Virginia swept us. And I think if you had played those West Virginia games over and over and over again, they might have swept us every single time. I mean, they were clearly better in the backcourt. They just frustrated us to death. Although I think at West Virginia, we only lost like 57 to 54 or something like that. But, um, you know, in the, in, in the Big 12 tournament and even on our court, they just uh, totally crushed us, uh, took our will away. But, yeah, this was one that felt like, wow, you know, and even even Kansas State, I'd say the same thing. You shouldn't be swept by those teams. It should be, it should have gone the way that, you know, the, the Kansas and the TCU and, and the Texas uh, series went where you split and then whatever happens in the Big 12 tournament happens. Uh, so that's disappointing. But, um, you know, it, we don't ha- what we don't have is disappointing is losing to the bottom of the conference. Like, and, and most teams did that. You know, most teams lost to the Texas Techs at least once or the Oklahomas of the world or, you know, had had those slip ups, uh, you, you know that's you know where Baylor did a good job, and, and certainly Kansas and Texas did a good job of that, also avoiding those bad losses. Uh, so that's positive. And, and and when you play the NCAA tournament, you play you know a team like that um, is going to be your first round opponent. Now let, let's talk about seeding. Um, you know all these Lenardi and bracket matrix still have us on the two line. I think what needs to happen for that to stay true is uh, Marquette is probably going to have to lose. And, uh, you know, they're, so they play in the championship against Xavier. Is that right? Today? I think that's, that's right. That's correct. I was a little um, – Yeah, so we need to root for Xavier. We need to root for Xavier in that game. So, so if that happens and Baylor stays on the two line, I think it's a big advantage because looking at the weekend, uh, the next weekend, here's what Bracken Matrix has is the current seven seeds – um, you know, who, who you'd have to play to get to a Sweet 16. They've got Creighton. They've got Missouri. They've got Northwestern. They've got Michigan State. You know, I like our chances against those teams compared to the six seeds, which I go, ooh, there's some tough ones there. Uh, St. Mary's and, you know, is, is a, who knows. Uh, they play hard-nosed defense. They could be a matchup problem for us. But uh, talent level certainly favors Baylor. Duke, who's playing good basketball. Uh, they're currently on the sixth line. Texas A&M, who – I was watching them blow out Vanderbilt. You know, they make it to the five line, you know, based on how they're playing. If they end up winning the SEC championship uh, and upset Alabama. And then Kentucky, who who I, you know, they've got some defensive uh, issues. So I like that matchup. Uh, but, you know, those are the teams you play if you get on the three line. And, and those are tougher teams. I mean, the, you know, this, it, it's a big deal to, to stay on the two line. So let's all root for Xavier and hope that uh, when our name's called tomorrow, we're on the two line. I agree. And, Duke and Kentucky both underachieved for a lot of the year and have gotten it going lately. And one of the best predictors of postseason success or preseason rankings because teams often play to their talent by the end right. of the season. So, yeah, you don't want to see either of those teams. And, look, if Sparty or Michigan State beats Baylor, whatever, but Baylor has no business losing to Northwestern. I mean, that's not a – Right. I'm, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be losing to Northwestern. Northwestern shouldn't even be a Big Ten school. It should just, you know, go the go the way of University of Chicago in my mind. So, if Baylor, I don't think going to lose to Northwestern. Play this back at me if I'm wrong. Um, but again, these are still good problems to have. We're talking about a two seed, which until the run from 2020 on would be the highest seed in the modern era for Baylor basketball. So there's still hope in front of us. And it's not like it's Texas tech that is somehow looking at hiring Rick Pitino after their last two hires. I'm just like, I don't even know what, how you can spend what's going on in Lubbock with that. I can't see him taking that job over Georgetown or St. John's. I mean, I just, you think... know, I would also rather live in Washington DC or New York city over living in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. But... Um, 
if uh, if Kirby Hokut is somehow making another hire, we'll see if he can pull one out again. The culture fit seems weird. I mean, Mills and McCaslin make a lot more sense to me. I mean, I I would hope it's somebody outside that's got Drew coaching tree. I'm I'm tired of coaches out of his tree being in our league. But uh, yeah, I, I I just don't see the Patino to Tech. That just seems like a weird fit to me. It does for me as well. But everything about Texas Tech basketball the last year seems like a weird fit. Right. Okay. So here's my question. Let's say. You know, Baylor's going to not draw an easy team in that first-round matchup. Upsets happen all the time. They're going to have to bring their A game. What What are the one or two things that you're going to want to see from the Bears in this first weekend, next weekend, uh, for them to make the Sweet 16? You know, where where does Baylor really have to, uh, you know, use this couple of days of practice that they'll have and the rest and, and all that, you know, let's spin it positively. I think it's always better to keep playing games and winning. But, uh, you know, let's say they, they – you know, got some great practices going, their attitudes, you know, ready and, you know, they're excited and, and they play inspired basketball. What do you want to see from them against their, uh, you know, first two opponents uh, next weekend? And whether it's the 314 or 215 game, Ashley, I want to see Baylor come out with its hair on fire. Right. Uh, this, the Baylor team that played Hartford, and Hartford was not a terrible 16 seed, uh, or Norfolk State last year, there was just no chance Baylor was going to lose either of those games. Right. Uh, there could be a decent 15-14 team, and we know from Georgia State there are 14 seeds that can win. What I always get scared about in those games are to one of those teams have a pro. Uh, R.J. Hunter, when Baylor lost to him, when Mizzou lost the 215 game, Kylo Quinn. So I always look forward to that opponent have a pro. Well, Baylor needs to come to that game, hair on fire, get out to a big lead. Do not give hope to the 14 seed or the 15 seed that if they go 7 of 9 for one stretch from 3, they can win that game. So that's what I look for in the first one. Second game, what I look for is how tough and intense is Baylor. I'm okay especially if Langston Love can go. I think Dale Bonner, as we've mentioned for a long time, is a rotation player and should be playing for Baylor uh, decent minutes in the NCAA tournament. Well, if you got five guards, you got a lot more fouls to give. And I'm okay if Baylor's sending teams to the line for the double bonus, but Baylor cannot give up easy buckets like it has. So new intensity, new hard focus, hard fouls are good fouls for the Bears. That's what I look for that weekend, Ashley. What do you look for? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously I want to see Baylor just get back to what, they, what they've done on the offensive glass I want to see very active uh, Jonathan Chamochachua. I want to see Flo Thamba, you know, very aggressive on the glass. And if he's not, I want to see a hook, and, and I want to see Josh Ojewuna in there. You know, I, and, and somebody brought up the point that, you know, that with Flo, other teams are concentrating two people to block him out, which may be true, but I, I just didn't see the grit uh, in that Iowa State game from, from him. Uh, it's pretty hard, you know, to go the whole game without grabbing a rebound, and he managed to do it uh, 30 minutes. So, you know, I want to see just fire and, you know, ha having him play with an intensity. And, and I want to see him start challenging shots again. I mean, we, we try to take a lot of charges. He's pretty good at taking charges. But, man, teams have, have really – the book is out on Baylor that they don't block shots, and, and except for Jalen Bridges. And so, uh, you know, teams just feel comfortable. You know, just let's, let's get to the rim. Baylor's just going to try to take a charge. They're not going to block a shot. Let's surprise them. Let's let's try to you know let's try to block some shots. Let's use that seven foot six wingspan flow and and block some shots. I, I hope we have some adjustments like that in the bag. I, I I feel like this coaching staff will definitely have some things that they uh you know tweak to you know for the tournament. Uh, so those are the main things I'm looking for. And and then you know just move the ball, less isolation ball. I want to see Keontae George uh, get in the paint a lot more. He's he's good, really good at you know when he gets in the paint, hanging, drawing fouls, finishing sometimes. Uh, so that would be good. And, you know, hopefully the officiating is a little tighter. I think that will benefit Baylor. I think it will benefit offensive teams if they, 
if they don't let it become a scrum like they do in Big 12 ball because if it's more free-flowing and, you know, you, you just don't allow the you know physical contact on the perimeter, I think that's a positive for Baylor. I do as well, and I think Baylor, in my mind, is still searching for its best rotations, but I think it's pretty clear Dale Bonner should replace at least one guy who plays a few minutes a game. Right. Yeah, and and if you look at the uh, 15 seeds and the, and the 14 seeds, just kind of looking through the Ken Palm, you know, teams like Colgate, uh, pretty good offensively, but defensively not so good. And same is true with um, like Louisiana's another team that's projected to be maybe a 13 seed or a 14. Uh, they're, you know, 56 in offensive efficiency, 147 defense. Furman, 32 in offense and 124 uh, defense or 184 defense. So, so you're you're probably not going to get like a defensive juggernaut uh, in that uh, in that you know first game. So that that'll probably be good for Baylor. You know, it'll be more of a free flowing game, a game where they're not going to get a team that's just locking them down on the perimeter. Uh, you know, so hopefully they're making shots. You know, getting to the rim, moving the ball well. But that second game, that's you know the second weekend when you play a six seed or or a seven seed. You know, those are those are the teams that you know going to have some pretty decent defenses and. Uh, you know, certainly A&M, the way they've been playing lately, you know, looks like a team that could give Baylor a lot of trouble. Uh, and I know the committee likes to have those local matchups uh, whenever possible. You know, St. Mary's is ninth in defensive efficiency, you know, so a lot like Iowa State in that regard. You know, so there, there's some, there's some uh, you know, concerns ahead. But uh, ultimately, it's uh, survive in advance. You know, all the cliches, you gotta you got to play like this is your last game that you're ever going to play. Um, you know, Houston, I don't know if you saw this, but they're playing Cincinnati right now, and Marcus Sasser went down with an injury. Uh, Jalen Clark for UCLA is out with an injury. That's, I think, a significant blow to their title chances. I mean, there there are chances out there to, if you can, you know, just get some momentum and start playing better basketball, that you have a shot to uh, do some really special things here. Because, like we've talked about over and over again, there are no teams that are just uh, – you know, juggernaut type teams this year. And, and certainly if Houston loses Marcus Sasser, uh, you know, that takes away and, and with UCLA losing Jalen Clark, those are significant injuries for both of those teams. So, uh, you know, there's, there's opportunities uh, to, to really do some special things this year and hopefully the bears can get on a magic run. Um, it wouldn't be unprecedented to, you know, finish the season a little week and, and then uh, do some special things, uh, you know, here in, in, in the tournament, you know, the Bears have uh, had that happen before, and, and this would be a great opportunity to uh, let it happen again. I agree with that, Ashley, and I'll be in Denver, Albany, Columbus, wherever the heck Baylor goes to see if this is the final weekend, and I hope it's not. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Maybe a podcast next week after the bracket is revealed. Uh, you've been listening to a Ring by Spring podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Couch, Second Bears. <laughs>